So I know I sent you questions and stuff, but I go all over the yeah. place. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of roll with that. I'll make sure that I hit some of that, but that, that makes me super curious. So what are you and Chris meaning about that? He would recognize your background. If this is happening so often, what are you guys conspiring? You want to start with that, Chris? Um, yeah. I mean, Jeff and I um, playing a lot of like district events together. Together. So we meet a lot to talk about teen camp and adult retreat. And so that's been most of our time recently. Yeah, we spent a lot of years um, working together. Yep, uh, how old were you, how old were you Chris, when you, uh, when you came in? Um, uh, probably 11 or 12. Yeah. So it's been about nine, 10 years. <laughs> it shows you the quality of uh, a 11 and 12 year old that Chris was um, back 10 years ago. Um, to plan events and to really uh, contribute at a at a very high level, uh, it, it's a bold move. You know, it's funny because he 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 called me with confidence and said, "Jeff, I like what you guys are doing on uh, the district. Um, I'd like to be involved." And I think I asked him like, "So, so Chris, um, how how old are you?" And he said, um, I, "I think he must have said eleven or twelve. I can't remember what he said, but I, I remember telling Chris, I was like, look." You do understand that um, if you take this on, um, you cannot no longer uh, view yourself as a participant. You know, this is you're sacrificing uh, being able to participate and being able to do uh, the things that, you know, the kids do. You know, it's a it's a different role and it comes with its work and it comes with a level of sacrifice as well as a level of commitment. Are you are you up for that? And he says, I'm definitely ready for that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fine. Um, put a lot of trust into Chris and Chris, um, he, he really delivered uh, on every occasion. So uh, Chris has a special place, at least in my heart and um, in the heart of the other teams and the other and the teammates that we have on the, on, on the district um, and his, his reputation uh, precedes him in a, in a great fashion. So. Yeah, it was, I still man. don't, I still don't imagine how, or what came through Jeff to allow an 11 year old to do the things he allowed me to do and pour into me the way he did. So, yeah. Cause at the time I think I was doing, I was at Woodbridge doing children's ministry, um, just helping out there. Cause we had just had a pastoral transition. So I was working with kids doing Sundays, teaching Sunday school. This, you're not, you're not listening. If you're listening correctly, he, he said that, and that is absolutely 100% true. He was teaching Sunday school to kids at 11 and 12. It's, that is not a joke. That, 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 I, I, that is not just what he said. I heard that from many of folks um, that, that can corroborate that statement. So that statement is true. And it sounds unbelievable, uh, but that just tells you the quality of, of leader that Chris was. It just, it wasn't scared. Took it on from a young age. So, uh, we need the more Chris's. In the the world. story is the story is verified. We need, yeah, we not only do we need more Chris's, we need to clone Chris somehow. You know, we need to create our own <laughs> clone army of of Chris's. He can be the new Mandalorian for the Nazarene Church. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a little edgy. Sounds a little edgy, but I know some people that I don't know. They they might be into it. Chris, I I'm I'm wondering how how do you end up at Northwest Nazarene University? in nampa idaho from virginia that's like uh about a continent away listen i sometimes ask myself the same question like (laughs) why i go to idaho out of all places um and so essentially the story starts my junior year of high school where i was determined to study linguistics at san jose state university that was my goal so i was planning to move to the other side of the country anyways okay um but my senior year of high school, I had this really long debate with God. God reminded me of my call to ministry. And so eventually that got settled where I was like, all right, God, I'll, I'll study ministry. So it makes sense to go to Nazarene school if I want to stay within the tradition. And then my, my like deal was, all right, God, I'll study ministry if I can study computer science. Because that's what I was really passionate about um, at the time. And so I like listed all the Nazarene schools. Um, and started applying, requesting information, and eventually got to the point where I was just, I had no idea. I had no idea where to go. And I was like, 
February of my senior year of high school and every, all my friends were making college decisions. And I was still like, I, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to make any deadlines because I don't know where God wants me. Because my biggest fear um, was to be a year or two into school and then realize that I hated where I was at. Yeah. And so essentially I said, all right, God, um, I apologize if I've missed the signs, like if you've made this clear, but let the next school that calls me be the place where you want me to go. Um, and about two hours later, and then you called me. And that night I sat down with my parents and I was like, all right, Nampa, Idaho, wherever that is, here I come. <laughs> Dude, you threw down a fleece, man. I, cool. I really did. Um, I look back yeah, at it and cool. I was like, that's terrifying because any school could have called me. So yeah, I can't, they, they can't. Uh, Do you know, I did that once in sixth grade with a girl at a Bible quiz meet. Um, and if she walks around the corner, we were playing football outside. If she walks around the corner, she's going to be my wife. Literally did that. She walked around the corner. I am not married to her, just to be clear. <laughs> not married to her. Um, dude. Okay. So throwing down the fleece. Any new okay, any is it one of the students that calls you? Like one of those students that works in admissions and is like paid there to get make phone no, calls and get rejected I, I, by people? An admissions officer? Like who is it? Yeah, so it was my admissions counselor who called me. Um and didn't ask me anything about the admissions process or my application or if I've decided. Um, he called me just, he just checked in. He was like, hey, Christian, want to see how you were doing? How's school going? That's it. Like, that was the entire conversation. So, like, he never asked questions like, are you coming in on you? Like, if we're doing this, which I'm pretty sure it's some kind of, maybe it's an admissions tactics. I don't know, but it works. So, I mean, relationship, it can either be transactional or it can be transformational. It just depends on kind of how you're going to be, be in it. I'm super curious, got to ask, and then I, I won't dwell on this too much because I mean, you and I could talk about any of you probably all day long and Jeff would be like, why am I even on this call right now? Like, seriously, <laughs> I have things to do. But who was it? Who was a submissions officer? Roger. Okay. I know Roger. Yeah. I've hung out with Roger different times on different, different districts on our, on our field. That's cool, man. That is very, very cool. I'm glad. I'm grateful that you shared that story. Um, okay. That answers that question. You were going to go across the country anyway. You guys have known each other for a really long time. Yep. Um, I have invited us together today to specifically ask about, um, young adult ministry. And this kind of comes out of, of me having, um, multiple conversations with Jeff over the past few years and getting to know each other a little bit. Um, besides, I just find Jeff to be a very fascinating guy. Just the way he lives his life, his calling, his vocation, the fact that he's like on these like Olympic teams with his global business, you know, and that he's, he's like a, a secret little like hidden talent of Jeff. I know. Oh, yeah. I know. This guy is like, he, he's like a, he's like an ultra Uber athlete, you know, and and you know, I I, I want to know more about that. That's a whole other podcast, Jeff. That is I'm a whole gonna, other podcast. Gonna have, what's that? That is a whole other podcast. You are yeah. correct, Kenny. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I got to dig into that some more. Um, but I'm I'm uh, super interested in hearing what's going on with young adults on your district and how you guys are approaching that together. And when I was asking Jeff about this a week or two ago, he's like, "Great," and also. I'd really like to have Chris on the conversation. I was like, okay, so let me get this straight. You want to invite uh, a pastor on the district who is a young adult to talk about young adult ministry and um, ministry with young adults on your district. Um, that makes sense. Maybe, maybe we need more of that in our lives. So here we are. And I don't really care where you guys start with it. I just want to hear about it. I want to learn and glean from you on it and maybe maybe kind of tell me um if i were to pick a starting point i would just be like you know what's going on with young adults today on your district how did you get there and where do you want to go with it that's an unsequential order i think i'm gonna start and i i, I started as a millennial who has been badgered for years about the defects that millennials have especially spiritual defects you know i've heard about the the bad reputation that millennials or constantly um, leaving the church right after college, or sorry, um, right after high school, you know, into college, um, not coming back into faith, article to, uh, after article, conversation after conversation, and just about this reputation of, of millennials. And, and to a degree, yes, I, I agree with 
with what the statistics were showing and you know you cannot you know you, you can't refute data uh, especially you know observable data uh, in the meantime you know I think that uh, everyone became aware of that and as a millennial I took I took uh, not offense but I, I definitely took it as a chip on my shoulder I said okay I'm a millennial um, I'm, I'm going against the grain uh, so what do I do and uh, you know, it, it became it became a passion, right? It became a passion to say, okay, I, I, I see these trends, I see these things that are happening. Uh, you know, uh, they're not good for the, you know, for the present or even the future of, of the church in terms of just uh, personnel and, and demographics. So, so the steps were what, you know, how do we get, um, how do we turn this around? How do we get young people involved? As a young person, you know, I had my own crazy ideas, and 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 on the way, things uh, occurred, and and things that I, we saw some successes, we saw some failures, um, but we were willing to try things. Uh, and a lot of the things weren't original, and I'm not talking about um, you know crazy, um, innovative, you know, groundbreaking ideas. Um, it was really just about doing the things that were that were done, but giving them new life. You know, we settled, we did a lot of um, youth events that on, over the district. We did a lot of mini concerts. We did a lot of, um, uh, we did a lot of outings um, with the district um, leadership. And we settled finally on a camp, right? And we got um, uh, about 2010, 2011, um, we started a, um, a, a Hispanic camp, a Hispanic teen camp, but it, but the, here's the, here's what we got in context some muddy waters. Our, our, our camp ran from an age uh, demographic from 12 to 24. And over the years, what we started to really notice is that our 18, 19, 21 year olds were the ones that were most passionate while at these camps. Mm. Um, and it was astonishing. And, and um, you know, we, when we get to the legal aspect of, of what's appropriate between 18 and, and uh, sorry, with, between an 18 year old, a 12 year old and, and these age demographics, we understood that that we could, that wasn't something that was sustainable and that had to end at some point. Uh, I thank the Lord that we never had any problems. Nothing came of it. It was very, they were, camp was safe and, and we did everything possible to make sure that um, the minors were, were, were you know, in, in the safest environment. Um, possible. And we had also this cultural uh, backing as well, where, uh, you know, you can't hide the fact that Chris and I are Hispanic, you know. And let me just preface this before I go any further. As a millennial who, um, who's first generation in this country, I understand that my, how I view um, the USA, um, the American lifestyle, the lifestyle here, uh, even, you know, just uh, the American way of thing of doing things is slightly skewed. It's not. It's not. It's not typical. Um, I would say, as a as an immigrant, as a as a uh, a son of an immigrant family, uh, the way I, I observe things um, are different. And even in the church, and even in the um, in the way that we're spiritually uh, grown uh, in church and our our church culture, uh, and that has a lot to do with just who we are and 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 in our, you know, in our, I say, racial culture. But beyond that, you know, we take into account that, you know, I was, I was born in this country. I, I went to public school all the way through um, high school. Um, I went to a, uh, a public university, state university here in Virginia. Uh, I am still, I'm getting my master's degree here in Virginia. I've lived my entire life in Virginia. Uh, I speak English at home. And it's, it's um, I guess you could say, uh, I'm as American as it gets, minus the fact that I just am brown, right? And uh, it, it's, and I, and I carry those, I guess I carry those, those viewpoints. And it, it does kind of sway the way I, I see certain things. But other than that, I think that um, in a way, Chris and I carry some sort of advantageous, um, I guess, ability to be able to see um, uh, you know, to be able to see our lives in two different ways, um, you know, in an American and in a, and in a um, Hispanic uh, cultural 
uh, way as well, um, which shapes, helps us be bridges as, 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 I, as I can tell. And I think that, uh, I think that's the responsibility that Chris and I have actually taken um, in that. Now, um, going back to what you were saying, I was saying a little before, is that uh, we were observing that um, there, was a, there was a demographic, especially young adults, that was very high energy at these camps and, and, they, were, and they were falling in love with just the atmosphere itself. And so uh, one of the things that, that, I, that I pushed when we finally integrated the camps, um, because we were going to a point where we were gonna be too big to integrate at some point. Uh, we had, um, and this isn't, you know, no fault of anybody's, we had very de um, demographically segregated camps. We had a camp in, uh, in, the, in, in, in the early spring that was primarily Hispanic. And we used to call it multicultural, but the fact is the, 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 uh, the dominant demographic was Hispanic, uh, even though the primary language that was spoken at this camp was English, right? And we had a, um, a summer camp that wasn't well attended at all by, by any Hispanics that was primarily white. And uh, we got to a point where um, I started yeah, okay, to notice A quick question. That, are there... Sure. Are there black kids, black families around part of churches and stuff? Like where, where, where are they at yes. in the mix? Yes, there are. Um, and here's one of the things that I, you know, I say this with uh, lament, as in, is this just not enough? I, I don't think that um, there's enough um, uh, multiculturalism in, in, in our churches and they have nothing to do with, I guess, uh, the intent or the intent or the intentionality of our, yeah. of our, our, our churches is just at the moment, it's just what they are. Right. Um, I, I see, I see Asians, black people, um, uh, you know, Asian folks as well, uh, Africans, uh, that have, that have integrated into the, in, into the church body here in Virginia, but it's a minority. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a small minority, right? So on the, on the district, what was developing was you had, you had a Hispanic teen camp slash mm -hmm. young adult camp, and then you had a mostly white teen camp. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So on the Virginia district, we had like a creation of Hispanic churches that spoke Spanish primarily. And so we got to a point where I think currently there's about 23 like Spanish speaking churches on our district. Um, and so like, that's primarily the two like spoken languages and it tended yeah. to split along those lines. Okay. So there was a, there was a healthy growth in terms of the, just the Spanish speaking churches and um, that growth obviously sparked a need and uh, the cultural, I guess, differences became an excuse, honestly, um, for why there should have been a teen, a Hispanic teen camp. Now, health, is that healthy? No. Uh, I, I, it was healthy up to a point because I think that to grow it, it had to be uh, its own thing. And I, I think, and I look back and I have no regrets on how it happened. I think it sure. was the best way. I think God led us in that direction, but at to a point where we, we needed to say, okay, if we take this five or six years more, um, are we ever going to be able to come together? And mm -hmm. this happened uh, this conversation started happening 2015 and 16, uh, before this, you know, before we started really uh, looking at the social justice era and movement that we had in 2018, 2019, 2020, uh, we had anticipated um, this, you know, this need. And we started talking about what it would look like and, and how it would flourish and uh, one of the non-negotiables that we had on the table was what do we do with the young adult demographic that we had within the um, Hispanic teen camp in April? And that became something I just would not let go. And, uh, and out of that came uh, the integration of both camps into the summer. Um, and we spurred and we, and we birthed a, a young adult retreat, camp weekend, um, kind of this um, hybrid camp retreat uh, that's geared for 18 to 25. We've opened it up to 30. And that happened in 2019. In 2019, uh, we had one of the best attended teen camps and we were able to finally get going um, the, uh, the young adult retreat. 
on the district level. Now, it's, it's, it's different. They're not the same. And we took into account that. Now, to the conversation we were having, Kenny, uh, this is where the, this is where the, I guess, um, part of the beginning of the solution is for the ministry is to not leave any gaps between um, your demographics and your generations. For mm -hmm. instance, we have children's camps, we have adolescent teen camps, and we have family camps. Those were the predominant uh, uh, camps that we had on our district. Now, the question was, what do you do between your teen camp and your family? People are getting married later. People are, 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 are in relationships longer before they're getting married. Uh, people are going to college. There was really nothing for your college age, um, you know, entry level, you know, young adult age. And, and that was the gap. And I think that that's where uh, we're starting to turn it around uh, with this generation. I think Generation Z, um, I think that the church has done a better job to be able to kind of pivot from what, they, what we erroneously did with our millennial generation and really refocus and, and put some intentionality into the Gen Zs. And the Gen Zs, I think, have a higher... A potential um, for for really taking back what was lost with the millennials. Mm. You reached a stopping point, Jeff. You like yeah. you, you you pause, dude. That's you're taking it in. It's heavy. There was a lot that you just like dropped here. I was taking some notes furiously. There's some interesting things. I. I think I'm hearing you kind of saying that the problem we identified were the gaps between the age group ministries on our district. And that's what you recognize that. And then you begin to address that. And, and, and so what you did with that was specifically around camps. Is that my understanding was offering a, the solution as you came together. It wasn't like somebody was like, Oh, we should do a camp. Let's try a camp. It was like, a, okay, we've been working on this for a while. What seems like it's raising to the top as a strategy forward and a camp seems like a gathering point that's a fit for our context, our cultures and in, in our district. Am I surmising that correctly? Yes, correct. I think one of the, the, the best things to come out of the Spanish speaking April camp was the excuse for a lot of these small uh, Spanish speaking churches to put some time into, um, teen groups or youth groups. I think that once you gave them a target and say, hey, um, there's, a, there's a camp that's ha happening in, in April and spring uh, for youth, you know, let's, let's send our kids, right? Even if it's through two, three, four, five yeah, young people, let's, let's, do some, let's do some activities. And then there was some, you know, there were some real, what you could see is some genuine uh, focus, some genuine drive behind being able to keep these kids going to these camps and it gave an excuse for the for the ministries to find leaders right to say okay somebody's got to take these kids with them right to the camp and then they you know there was a lot of good that came out of the, these camps over the past uh, five or six years that would that it was primarily hispanic especially for um, um enabling uh the small up-and-coming uh spanish churches uh to really focus on on you know, developing a ministry for teens uh, that was was real and that was uh, communal and that had some leadership um, delegated in that way. So I want to say that, not to give the camp um, a ton of credit, but to some degree, uh, it was it was a goal. It became this very um, annual, very routine goal of that, you know, each church would do their very best to get their kids to go to these camps. Now, on top of that, at camps, at the camp, the way that we did the camp, it was we always enabled young people to lead young people. Mm -hmm. And um, I can recall seeing a lot of leaders, young leaders, I'm talking at Chris's age, people like um, uh, even Chris's older sister, who was still a teenager, really come into their own as leaders and take chances at um, taking a responsibility and commitment. And, you know, it, it, 
it really flourished in that degree. I think mm. that one, that's one of the best things that we also applied practically at the camps is that we, you know, from the get-go, we said, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna bring in old people to, to counsel these kids. And, and no offense to myself or to you, Kenny. It's, it's you know, we really- You should be offended. People, yeah. Why not? <laughs> I was, I wanna, we really wanna give these kids the opportunity to lead themselves. Because where, where else are they going to get an opportunity to take on a responsibility like that? Right Especially on, in the spiritual in, in the spiritual environment, right? They may not get this at church. They may, and, and maybe they do. Uh, and, and, but, I, but we know what we saw. We saw a huge benefit from that. Trust, yeah. um, authenticity of, of their abilities. Um, we saw potential uh, flourish. Uh, we saw um, spiritual gifts being identified. Uh, people called into ministry, uh, people, you know, going back with, you know, a, a mission to, to do more within their local church. I mean, we saw all of these and, and it sounds good. And it sounds, it, it sounds like, um, like, like I'm, I'm a politician trying to sell this camp. The, the truth is that's what we saw. Yep. Yeah, that is what we saw on a continual basis. And that's what made us believe every year we got to go for it and, and push forward. Right. Um, <laughs> cool. Okay, Jeff, let me let me let me pause you there sure. for just a second because you've you've set the table. You've you've taken a lot of different pieces and you've put them on the table. And I'm watching Chris, and he's nodding his head, and he's agreeing. He's yeah, and he 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 was a, he was a part of this. Um, and so, Chris, I just I'm I'm giving you a heads up that I'm I'm we're turning the microphone over to you for you to, to pick out of the stuff that Jeff shared. Just anything you want to expound on, things that 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 you've been nodding your head about, and just where, wherever you want to go with that, Jeff. I just wanted to clarify too, out of what the, the last part of what you just said, that you're talking about young people to lead um, young people, and I I was just that thought was just kind of really blossoming in my head while you were saying it because it's like okay, now the people that the young the, the young teens that we're helping to lead now are young adults that are helping to lead. There might be a connection. Maybe just maybe there's, there's some secret sauce that's been mixed into the brew here that, that we need to be paying attention to. And you guys, I, I mean, it, it makes, it makes sense. It's like, we should, we should know this stuff, but Chris, where do you want to dig in? What, what do you want to pick up here and, and share with us about yeah, your so experience? So unlike Jeff, I am a Gen Z. So I was born in 99. So I'm on the older side of the Gen, of the Gen Zs. Um, we are XYZ so- right here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yep. Hold on to your hats. And so what I got at, my, like, at the age of when I was 11 and 12 um, is I found myself in a very, very unique position where a lot of people, both locally and at district level, poured into my life in a way that was completely unexpected or like looking back I saw that like not a lot of kids because I was I was a kid come on I was 12 still am still consider myself a kid um and so what I saw was that like reflecting back like like no like I would not trust a 12 year old to teach a Sunday school to you know eight-year-olds you know unsupervised and of course policies were different probably never happened today um but at a local level um we, our church found itself in this unique position. We we're going through a pastoral transition. So there, there was no children's ministry. There was no children's leaders. And so um, the church um, board poured into me and allowed me to, to teach. Like I remember the, my first Sunday school lesson was on Noah's Ark. Um, and I remember it so clearly. I remember the room I was in. I remember I even like drew the animals on the board and all that fun stuff. And then comes people like Jeff, who are millennials, um, who are like the like few millennials that like stay through that through that time period of like where millennials usually dropped out of church um, where they're like, you know what, let's take, let's take some risks here. Um, and he took a risk with me. He poured into my life. Um, I went to camp one year as a camper um, and I have not experienced camp as a camper ever since. And so like right now, my sister, older sister is a direct camp director and I am director of logistics um, and communication. And so I'm like right up with her, helping her plan this camp. Um, and so what I see is that I can pour into the lives of like very, very young Gen Zs um, in the way, in the same way that millennials before me poured into my life. Um, And so when we see this thing about like, we saw this camp 
pour into these young people who are then like excited and fired up for God and they want to go back to a local church. Maybe there was just three of them and they're like, we like there are more of us that can come. And so they're excited and they felt this purpose and this mission to go back to their church and lead. And so what we saw is that these early campers that went to camp in 2012, 2013, 2014 are now youth leaders at their churches that went back and poured back into their local churches who went back and said, hey, church, like, like, do you trust me to start something with youth here? Um, and so we saw across the board is that all these small churches were taking these risks, were saying, um, yeah, you might be 16, 17, 18, um, but let's let's take this risk. Um, and so now I find myself in positions where I can look back to see at the 12, 13, 14 year olds coming alongside now and being like, okay, like where can we take risks here and, and pour into their lives? Um, and for me in particular, it's very personal because it's the same way that I was poured into when I was at that age. Um, and through this camp, like through this opportunities, I discovered my call to ministry, I discovered my passion. Um, I discovered like the ways in which I desire to serve in the church and move forward. And so that's particularly something that like that just to add on to what Jeff was sharing. And then the other thing was also really important, like growing, like as I got older and older, um, it was more like, so what happens in the time period from when I finished high school and I get married if that is so what happens, like what happens in this little like time period between 18 and whatever, 26, 27, whatever people get married is there's not a set time and so there was this like floating time where we had like our people um floating of just like of our of, of our young adults saying like well you can go to family camp but that's really geared towards family you can only go to teen camp if you volunteer and so what do we do then to pour into the lives of these young adults in such a way where they can go back and pour into the lives of those coming behind them and so that's really where where we started dreaming of what's next or what what's coming and this is where really our young adult retreat came um, and so in 2019 our young our young adult retreat was the weekend before teen camp uh, it was a long long week to say the least um, and something really cool about particularly how we had it set up is that weekend our young adults showed up they worshiped together they played games together they, they built fellowship they sat around the table together um, and that lasted through Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. And then Monday night, our, our teen campers showed up and we had a lot of young adults who were fed that weekend, able to stay that week and then feed and feed um, and pour into the lives of the students that were present that particular week. That's an interesting pairing there with um, that, that weekend. And then it's like, it's like get, get amped up and then pour pour into that week the timing of that is super creative yeah it's also just um definitely lots of logistics and to keep in mind too because i was really tired that like i can't imagine yeah exhausted like i started teen camp and i already had no voice um like my voice (laughs) out so I, th- I think what what um, to to go back to what you were saying, uh, Jenny. The secret sauce to all of this is putting uh, young people to work. That is the that is the secret sauce. I think if we can get local churches and local leaders to trust young people and delegate responsibilities for them, uh, obviously, you know, giving them what they can't handle. But trusting them to be able to do certain things, I think that's where I think that's where the secret sauce is, in terms of both um, teen discipleship and and young adult ministry. Mm. Uh, trust young people. Um, we yeah. we the Gen Zs, I think, are going to be the the most educated uh, generation yet, right? And and that makes them more more potent in their in their abilities um, if we're able to guide them appropriately and so i think that there's there's much there's a lot that the gen z uh generation can give to the church the question is are we going to wait until it we need them or are we going to really pour into them sooner um with anticipation that they can they can help now and and be even more effective um come with age maturity and wisdom and i think that that's where you know uh there is there's some lacking and i think that 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 helps a lot and that's one of the things that i the key takeaways that i've taken at least from what i've been able to observe over the uh, over the years is uh 
you know, where could we have done more in, in placing um, our young people in a better position to flourish, to take leadership, um, to expand on their spiritual gifts, um, to, to use the abilities that God has given them? Uh, you know, because we, we, we tend to look for quick solutions, right? When we have resource and money, you know, for instance, let me give you a really a simple, a simple uh, thought, you know, uh, in terms of a band. And then this is one of the things that we've, we've taken into account. You know, uh, when you have a big enough event, uh, it's easy, you know, um, with the margins to, to, pull, to, you know, to bring in a band, right? For quality purposes, for ease, for, uh, you know, just delivery of what you want. Uh, getting and hiring a band is a great, it's a great thing. Uh, well, we took some risk, right? We decided, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to um, pour into, you know, the kids that we have on the district, the teens that we have, the young adults, and give them an opportunity to serve back, mm. right? Instead of, instead of pouring into a, a group or a band um, that's external to the, the district, how about we pour into the folks that we have here, give them an opportunity to grow, give them an opportunity to come together, um, really bring more community into into the district. Um, show the show the kids themselves that hey, um, they trust us to lead ourselves, right? There's no there's no nothing more beautiful than seeing um, a 14 year old um, leading worship um, uh, for a hundred or two hundred um, young people. That's wow. the most beautiful thing that I can recall. Uh, there's nothing more special than that because it, it shows that there's growth happening. Um, and it's all behind um, this word that I'm gonna say is trust. Can we trust um, young people? Mm. Uh, can our older generations trust young people and put them in positions that are growth positions? Um, and they take delegation, they take risks, right? Yep. Because yes, it's not going to be quality. It's probably not going to be exactly what you want because the gener the generations come with a different perspective on things and give them an opportunity to be innovative, give them an opportunity to, to, to dream, uh, to execute um, in the way that God is probably taking them. I, I can recall and say to the same degree that Chris um, was poured into, I was poured into by a really old <laughs> generation, um, you know, nearing retirement, you know, old, you know, older than you, Kenny. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. Those guys uh, saw an 18 year old, 19 year old who was, you know, super, <laughs> super driven, probably immature in, in, in the ways I saw things, uh, a dreamer, um, uh, uh, some, and sometimes, uh, some some of the some of the things I did were failures and and still um, and still trusted me to to continue to to work through uh, my growth opportunities and yeah I didn't I didn't do everything perfectly um, it wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't a smooth uh, road it was rocky it, it had ups and downs uh, but they but the successes always overshadowed um, the, the the defects or the mm. or the or the failures uh, on the way and and it was it was beautiful and I, and, I, and I thank them I thank um you know these gentlemen that definitely um even in their age uh, were able to trust me me and you know the vision that God had put into not just my heart but uh, um, there was a group of of millennials that I worked with as well that we took it forward uh, and it was a beautiful thing. And I look back and I say, wow, if, if it wasn't for that, if they didn't trust me, we wouldn't have put it up, you know, we wouldn't have yeah. cemented ourselves. And I think that that is part of the solution. Um, trusting young people uh, to do things that are, um, that are filled with vision and, um, and innovative and see if, see if it sticks. I mean, we gotta be able to take risks. It's good. Your thoughts on that? I don't know. No, I, I think you, you guys are helping. You're helping me um, validate some things that I've been thinking and I'm trying to implement both at the local church and I'm having conversations with, with our district about. But one of my suspicions in this has, has been that, that um, let's don't do 
ministry to or for young adults, but with young adults and, and, and invite them. Like, I, I think one of the reasons that young adults leave, whether it's the local church or there's lots of different reasons, um, but like, like district council positions is because they don't have any real responsibility. It's like, we just want you to show up at meetings and like represent your age group, whatever that means. Like, I mean, does anybody for like, I'll try to tell you what Gen X thinks about this, but one of the monikers of my generation and really anybody's is I'm not like anybody else in my generation. So don't have somebody speak on my behalf, you know? And so it's like, what do all Gen Zers think? What do all young adults or college students or college and career or your young marrieds or like all these different things we called young, young adult um, age kind of phase. Uh, what do they think about this? Well, I don't know. They're different people than me. Maybe we should get a group of people together and talk. But if you give them actually, like, not just if, if you trust them, if you empower them, if you say, hey, we want you to lead. How do you want to lead? How can we help champion the ways that you want to lead? Do this with us for a while. Now you're in charge. What do you, what do you want to do? You know, um, I think that that's one of the main things that we need to be doing and you guys have been doing it. Um, one of the questions that, that is, is kind of been rendering for me as I'm listening is um, that this is happening at the district level, right? Like these are, are these district council level conversations or are these people getting together independent of the district council? And, and I, got, I got like five other questions on top of that right here. So let me just stack them. And are these young adults, are they on the district council? And so they have responsibilities on the district council. Was that then? What's it like? What's it like now? Because like what our district councils look like now and how we're being intentional with, with young adults is what our future is going to be or not to be. So I'm, I'm wondering what that looks like for you guys now. And, and, um, and also just want to just, just, give you kudos and compliments and champion the um give you the champion trophy and, and stickers of the day of of just that um you were helping to equip the local churches i mean all the way back in the first part of the conversation here you you were talking about this we did this camp because it helped the smaller churches and I, that's why the district exists right or whatever level of ministry the district exists to help support and encourage the local pastors and, and, and the local churches. So anytime we can lean into that, where it's actually helping, it's actually helping them advance the, the, the good news of Christ and the kingdom of God locally and to, and to disciple young lives, man, let's, let's, let, let's do that. So I'm throwing a lot out there to you, but I'm one, I want to say I'm really inspired by you guys. Um, and so thank you for sharing story um, and, and, and kind of origin with this. Um, I can ask talk, questions. Yeah. yeah. Pick any uh, of the questions that I just listed and we'll just play it back and then we can pick them off one by one. Here we go. Sure. Not a problem. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm going to speak um, on the, the first question on where this kind of um, was birthed, right? You, you, read it, you said it right on the money. Uh, it, at first, it was a need. Uh, it was a need um, it's 2010. I was 19, 20. Um, when, when, you know, a bunch of my, of myself and a, a bunch of millennials were like, you know, um, you know, it'd be cool if we did, you know, a, a, a youth camp and we did that outside of the, um, the district council, honestly, it was kind of bad. It, the, 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 the disconnect was so bad that I was 19 and I never heard of the NYI. I didn't know. I didn't know that NY existed. I didn't know that there was a. And, and I don't fault anyone for that. It was just. It was just a disconnect in communication, right? So, um, we we built our own, <laughs> our own council basically, which um, sounds sounds rebellious, but we we didn't know. We, it was out of ignorance and, and out of need. Clarifier right? here, okay? Sure. You're at a Nazarene church. You're 19 years old. You didn't know there was a network for yes. youth and NYI and a district council. And so you created your own. That's right. Okay. Just check in, please continue. <laughs> yeah. So it was a network between our, all our Hispanic churches. Yeah. We, we, we spearheaded it. I mean, it was a couple of attempts actually before my, you know, I was able to take um, somewhat of an influential um, leadership uh, role. 
but it never really got off the ground. Uh, I think uh, it was due to numbers. It was due to just the, the communication age at that point, right? We were still <laughs> calling each other over the uh, over the telephone, the wired telephone, <laughs> not the cell phone. The cell phone changed everything, right? So uh, I think that it was just a, a matter of time and, and just a matter of, of ease that we got to a point where we could share uh, and be more communal as, as a group. And that's where it sparked. And in the first year, we had 120 um, off the bat um, to go to a, um, a youth camp. Um, I, that to me still sounds incredible. I cannot believe that the first year that we had a youth camp, um, 120 came. Um, and this was, there was no one, there was no history behind it. There was just a bunch of pastors who had faith and took risks and said, okay, fine, we're sending our kids and we don't know what we're sending them to, but I thank them for, for having, um, uh, you know, faith in, in, in the leadership and the young people that took that on. So I'm talking, I'm 21 um, and, you know, I have no semblance of what a camp is, how it's supposed to be run. So um, you'll laugh at this, Kenny. I was 24 before I actually went to a youth camp for myself. <laughs> and I went to one in Colombia because I got invited. Um, and, and it was it was a youth camp or a young adult camp or you went to camp. go serve? Uh, no, I got to go be, as a participant. Like I could just not worry about leading, not do, just go in there and just have fun. Uh, it that was wasn't that long ago, Jeff. How old are yeah, you? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Incredible, right? <laughs> Thanks. You're, how, how old are you? I know. How old are you right now? I'm 32. So. Yeah, so it was less than, it was eight years ago. Yes, it was eight years ago. It was ago. the first time that you went to a youth camp. Correct. Now, now remember, it, it, when I say youth camp, being like, I'm laughing at you. I'm, I'm laughing at the irony. It's not even the irony. It's the tragedy that, that it is you know, was there before. Yeah, yeah. But, but you got into it and you were like yeah. excited. So here we go. So, so it's a, in, in Colombia, right? So in Colombia, the age, the youth age goes from 12 to 30, right? Wait, so when you say Colombia, what are you talking about? Cali, Colombia, the church in, in Cali, Colombia. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Casa de Oración, and, yeah. um, the big one. Uh, they, the, the five, 600 kid, um, or young adults, um, camp in, Wait, in, in did, Cali. Did I miss something? Like I, first of all, I thought you were talking about Columbia as like a town, maybe on your district, but now did yeah. I miss something that you're in Columbia and you're going to your first youth camp is at a camp at 24 <laughs> years of age. It, you're from Virginia, but now you're yes. in Columbia. The, the country of Columbia. That is correct. Did you, <laughs> did I not, did I? like phase out how did you why were you in Colombia, and why were you going to this camp uh that's funny um that is i'm gonna try to make this as short as possible right <laughs> okay so, yeah, good luck chris knows yeah, you i know you i know you just for a few years chris knows you a long time good luck yeah. with that yeah so so what what happened was is that since we had already established some some youth events we were doing um uh just uh youth days youth nights youth services camps uh outings trips uh one one of them ended up being at a concert um where they brought uh the band from the nazarene church in colombia the big one uh cali colombia and they came uh, to play and i got in contact actually i sat down and had i guess dinner with um the son of the pastor who's actually the, the youth pastor um uh in cali colombia uh and and he said, hey, you know, you should come to, <laughs> to Columbia and um, come to our camp. You know, it'd be great. And um, I said, I'll take you up on that if you're serious. He's like, yeah, I'm serious. And so that that was in maybe July and uh, December. I was in Columbia at their, at their camp, just like that. That's awesome. I'm going to ask yeah. you more about that at a later time, because I want to yes. there's there's some stories there to get into. But um okay keep going kenny what, what do yeah where let's uh, turn it back over to chris here what what do you got percolating chris what are you thinking where do, where do you want to pick it up at well i'm thinking a lot of things um the original question was where the where were these conversations happening and what was the second question well it's, it's about the integration of young adults on the district council yeah. and what the intention of that oh. was then and I think okay. I've got the answer to that, but like what, what, how that's progressed and what it is today um, pointing forward. 
Yeah, so actually, I do think Jeff could answer this question better because he does serve on our NY council currently. So uh, yeah, I'll answer this question question quickly. So what we've done, we've what we've done intentionally on the council is we've said if you're a young adult on the council, if you're the young adult representative, you uh, automatically are going to serve as the um, director or part of the leadership for the young adult uh, camp. We gave them something to do, just like you said. There was nothing for, <laughs> uh, for a long time. Um, we just got together, made decisions on camps and, and stuff like that, but we never really served directly. Um, and uh, uh, something that we did shift is we did the same thing for our um, team representatives. We got them involved in some degree to, um, to get them to, to really percolate, like you said, um, and use you know, their potential. They got elected for a reason. Um, they have to have yeah. uh, a, a, you know, something that, they, that they're known for, ability. There's, there's some... There's, there's something that God wants them to do. And so uh, we made it in, uh, a really intentional effort to take them and involve them uh, on, in some type of a district event. And, and for the most part, the entire council is, um, has some reach into a, a particular event. We just, the only difference is that we really um, focused on uh, the intentional one for the young adults. Um, so I grabbed our two representatives, um, Clay from uh, Clay and uh, Daniel Gazar, um, grabbed them and said, hey, uh, we're going to do this in 2019. Um, let's, let's get to it. You know, and they were like, we're right on. We're, we're in it. And, and that's where, you know, the leadership for the young adult retreat came. So we got them something to do. Okay. I've talked to you about my hope and dream for my district and like using leveraging those young adult positions for real responsibility and stuff. I've talked to you about that, right? Yes. You guys were doing it. You've, you've, you've already done it. You've been doing it. Like, so one of the reasons I'm excited about that right now is because I'm not, I'm not completely crazy on this point. Like it, it works. And there's different ways to work it and there's different contexts and cultures and communities and churches and everything. But this basic idea of leveraging that young adult elected or nominated position on our district and YI councils for real responsibility, for trusting them, for setting them free and loose to do ministry with young adults on the district with support, with leadership, with coaching, with advocacy, with championing with troubleshooting that works that works somebody's already done it we're not recreating the wheel we're not being super innovative here we need to renovate it for our context because it works it's a part of our structure and then my 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 hope is that once we can implement that on on my district um that a district like yours is is a um is a template that we can look to and say because now look at sustainable because those young adults are there for a season and they're going to shift out whether it was just time or they don't get reelected or whatever new young adults are going to be in that place but now they have those same responsibilities for them to contextualize for that new day for the new young adults that are coming in to me that is the future man it's so exciting to hear that it's already happening and, and let me give you a little more context. And this is maybe where Chris can chime in. I think we're living in 2020 and 2021. We are living in a different era when it comes to just um, how young adults um, interact with even the church, right? For instance, um, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of young adults stayed home, right, for for school, right. And I think that one of the one of the biggest hurdles that uh, the local church has, and even the district has, right, is that they say, well, we can't do any district events or, or, or young adult things because we don't know if the young adults will be in town, right? The ones that we pour into, the ones that we know, they might move to Idaho and stay in Idaho and then not come back. And, and, and even if they are in town, it doesn't mean that they want to come to the thing that the Xers and the boomers and maybe the older millennials created for them. Exactly. So if you can get past that, that, that fear, I think that, um, you know, a, a, some, some structure of leadership can really start cementing the foundation for something more focused for young adults. 
you know, we used to make bets about, you know, if Chris is coming back to Virginia or not. I think I took that bet and I said, he's coming back. So somebody lost that bet. It was Bertha. It was my <laughs> older sister. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I, I, I love it. But that's where the Lord led you to, man. You wouldn't be back there unless you were supposed that to. That is be. very true. I must admit that I am very surprised. I did not think I was going to come back to Virginia. Um, and hmm. here we are. I also didn't think I was going to go to school for uh, to, uh, to Idaho for school. And there I was. So. <laughs> So awesome. Go ahead. Awesome. Listen, Jeff, I'm not, I'm not cutting us off, but I am just calling out that we are, we are hitting the top of the hour and I want to, I want to honor you guys in your time. I don't, I don't have anything that I need to go to next, but I also don't, I also don't want to unintentionally like drag it out too long because I want to keep talking with you guys. And, and I feel like there's a lot more to do and we don't have to do it all at once. So for a part one, um, part maybe, you could definitely yeah i i totally am too and chris um chris i i i'd love to keep talking to you you too man yeah, I, I look i'm an i'm 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 a ordained elder in the church of the nazarene as a gen xer that needs you as a millennial jeff i need i need you chris as a gen z and pretty soon the alphas are going to be on us rising up. I'm, I'm i'm thinking of I'm thinking about those kids that are in elementary school right now um, or maybe early teens. And I'm going, do you think we can have this figured out in the next 10 years so that the Nazarene church isn't just like trying to still figure out what to do with young adults. We are made for this. We have all that. We have everything that we need as the local district field, regional global Nazarene church to knock this sucker out of the park with young adults, we just need to put the pieces together, connect the conversations together and learn f- from each other. Like I'm learning from you guys today and, and we can be rocking. I believe that with all my heart. Otherwise I wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. And I think we have, like, we have the greatest resource like available to us, like people we just need to pour into. Um, Cause usually when I'm having conversations with different leaders, they'll be like, well, the first excuse is money well, we don't have the funds to do this particular thing. And sometimes you don't need money. You just need people that are right. excited um, and God will provide everything else. Like when we, like when we started this camp, we did not have money. Um, and sometimes it feels like we don't, but um, we didn't like, but we had people that were passionate and we had leadership that was willing to take risks and willing to believe and says like, we, maybe we don't know where this money might come from if we need it. Um, but let's take this risk. And I think that's where a lot of churches are at. They don't like taking risks um, because taking risks means you, you might fail. You might fail miserably. Like you might throw an event and no one will show up, um, but you live and you learn and you move on. Um, and I think for me, it was like, I was given opportunity to succeed, but as well as opportunity to fail. Um, and from the opportunities that I was able to lead and did not go really, really well, I was able to learn and say, all right, like we can do this better next time. And next time it came around, um, we were able to do it better and we were able to pour into more people and more people were able to bring their ideas to that particular table. And I think for me, it has been the ability of being able, like something has been given to me um, and it has been said, all right, Chris, you just have to run this or whatever. It's been said, Chris, this is yours. Um, like this is for you and for your generation, run with it. Um, and so giving that ownership to me as a 12 year old is what made me passionate. Like I, I, like I was like, I'm not only being told what to do, I'm being asked for my thoughts, I'm being asked for my ideas, I'm being asked to contribute from my perspective, from my point of view, from my life experience. Um, and so it made it personal, it made it mine. Um, and I think that sometimes that's where that disconnect happens, um, particularly from our leadership and the people we're trying to lead. Yeah, that's really good. It goes back from to, to trust. I mean, how much are we willing yeah. to trust um, the young people? Um, with um, some of the risks that we have to, I guess, appropriate to them, right? And, you know, are we willing to take reputational uh, hits if something goes wrong? I mean, I'm not saying like awful things that happen, but just things just didn't work out or something that just uh, we tried and we swung and we missed. Uh, Are, you know, at what point um, have we stopped, right? Trying to swing at, you know, at the ball that's coming. 
you know, you, you just got to swing sometimes. Sometimes you got to close your eyes and just swing at that 105, you know, mile an hour ball, a fastball that's coming straight at you. You got to yeah. swing. So, you know, well, we, uh, well, we, we, we rent out stadiums and, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I'm just, this, this is a metaphor. We rent out stadiums, invite young adults and it doesn't get filled and you can't pay for it and the band and everything else. And you go, well, it didn't work because they didn't show up. And what I'm, what I'm pivoting towards with, with that in my mentality is our missional nature to go, to go to. So instead of trying to fill a stadium and have a big league game, go play some pickup game. That's where the passion's at. Go into the neighborhood and find the people that want to play the pickup games of, of, of young with young adult ministry and, and play passion um, and, and, and see what happens. You're, the story you're describing, um, it's, it, it's different, but there's a lot of similarities, especially with starting something on your own and with the district, with the New Mexico district. Um, and there's, and I, well, I, I, I will, I won't take the time now, but even Eden Avales is the champion out there. And they, they, they started a retreat for young adults. That's in the, like the second or third week of June each year, because that's what worked for them. And they no no backing, no support. Uh, but uh, like, hey, I hope it goes great kind of support thing, right? And it's going great. They're five years into it. Um, and it's it's picked up some speed. It's not the biggest thing in, in the world, but people come and go. I mean, that's transitory nature of young adult ministry and, and life. And we try to create, we're living in liquid scenarios and, and contexts. And we try to drop solid church in it and it sinks, you know? Mm-hmm. I thrive. I, I noticed that I, I thrive. When God aligns me with a leader that values failing forward, because I am amazing at failing. I'm like so good. I'm like a I'm like a mutant good. We are all at failing. We we are. We fail more often than 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 we succeed. But we hold up success like this thing that it was something that Jesus talked about and demonstrated. Um, The resurrection was the the ultimate success of all time and. Mm new creation here we are and 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 here we come um but there's a lot of failures there's a lot of trying there's a lot of it's it's when we can be research and development it's when we can put on the lab coats and be mad scientists and we can you know we can we can be the we can be the djs and bring in the music and, and collaborate and stuff to me that's where the that's where things are really kind of bumping and 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 kicking and and locally district wise especially we got some latitude where we can where we can play that music. I have a part two for you. Uh, okay, Kenny, here's the part I'm ready. two. You said uh, we rent out stadiums, we do all these things. It's a very interesting point. Here's what part two is going to be. Young adult ministry is about being small on purpose. We'll talk about that at some later point. You see, I don't know. I didn't. The emoji wasn't there, but my mind just blew right off the top of my skull cap here yeah being you have young adults ministry is about being small on purpose that is something that i am starting to figure out and i'm starting to to explore right on have to be big for a young adult ministry chris i want parting words from you and i think let's call it for now and we'll we'll angle towards part two down the road yeah um well, part two, that, that's really good, Jeff. And that is very, very true, especially where Gen Z's at um, in general. Not trying to make an overstatement of my generation, but, but that's at least has been very true, particularly in my experience. Um, but yeah, I think we have to learn how to take risks and we have to learn how to trust, like Jeff was saying. We have to learn that, that at the end of the day, like, we, we like the ministry will be of those that are coming before behind us. Um, and like, I really dislike the phrase. I really dislike telling students you're the church of tomorrow. Like tomorrow you'll be in these positions. Like I hate that phrase so much um, because it's not true um, because we're not making it their own. We're saying one day this will be yours. Um, rather, I think we need to turn around and say, this is yours right now. This is yours now. Take it, run with it. I believe in you and you will fall and you will trip and you will fail and you will scrape your knees and it will hurt and you will cry. Um, 
but you can stand back up and try it again and continue running with that passion for God. Um, and what I've learned is that God will never fail. Like God will show up when you're doing things for God, um, no matter how small it might be, no matter if it's you're working with three young adults or you have a larger group, um, it's taking risks and believing that God will show up. Um, because I think sometimes we do want to take risks, but we'll say, we don't know if that's actually going to work. And I think Jeff and I, we've been in that position where we've done stuff and we're like, we really don't know if this is going to work. This is a little too risky. Um, like Jeff told me that Chris is this too risky. We've tried it before it's failed, but you know what? We'll try it again because God will show up. And the second time we tried it, it worked really, really well. Um, so take risks, learn, learn to, um, I, right now I'm just thinking of Into the Unknown, which is the Frozen 2, like, song of, like, like be willing to step into the unknown um, is the phrase I want to use. Um, but, yeah, and so take risks, trust, and move forward because that's where, that's the direction in which God is calling us towards. Dude, I'm, I'm getting so wound up inside. It's, it's 102 degrees, dry heat, not, not humidity like you guys might have, but dry heat here in Idaho. You're really missing out, Chris. And I'm so wound up inside from what you guys just said that I feel like I could go run at least 100 feet outside <laughs> in 100 degree. But like I could go run a couple miles because I'm just like, my wife's going to be like, dude, you were so loud that whole time. And now you're out here and you're inflicting your excitement on, on all of us. I'm just going to have to go irritate the cats for a little bit, but guys, I'm what you're talking about. Other people need to hear. Um, and I just, I just pray that it gets into the right ear holes so that it gets, somebody can start percolating and be encouraged and it leaks down into their heart, their passion and their actions. And then God does with that, whatever he's, whatever he wants to, um, because what you guys are, are doing and sharing is, is awesome. And you're encouraging me today. So thanks for spending some time with me. No problem, Kenny. Our pleasure. Yeah. All right. Part two, young adult ministry is about being small on purpose. Yeah. All right. I'll see you guys later. Thank you. Thanks, Kenny. Peace. You, Kenny. Thank you. Thanks, Chris.